Thanks, Ken. This morning we uh, do continue this series looking at uh, what it is to be blessed, to be a blessing. And uh, last week we looked at uh, God as a, a God who blesses. And this week, what I'm wanting to, to touch on is um, to touch on is to be touched by blessing. Uh, so last week, we're, what we're doing throughout this series, and we're we're really looking at this theme of of blessing, this thing that God uh, does and wants to do uh, in this world, in, in blessing His people and blessing what He is doing. And what we're, we're doing is we're, we're moving, as we move through, we're going to move from more of a, um, a conceptual understanding and getting more and more practical as we, as we go through. But I want to really lay the foundations well. And we talked last week about uh, this can be a, a little bit of a, a risky process uh, as we walk along this journey of, of seeing what God has to say in regards to blessing because there are a number of, of ditches that we, we come across. And if you remember, I, I talked about what happens when we see uh, other Christians that have fallen down ditches, um, given different subjects in the Christian life and faith, is that we can tend to go, I, I don't want to fall down that ditch, and we can run so far over the other end that we end up falling um, down a, another ditch, and we're not actually staying on the road that where we've been called to stay on. And what I'm wanting to do as we, as we walk through this is to kind of be able to point out some of those ditches as well so that we're aware of them and, uh, and hopefully uh, so that we can walk with God on the path that He would want us to walk on. When we, when we look at Genesis, uh, we looked at that last week, we see that God is a God who loves to and who wants to bless. It's, I think it's significant, actually, that when we find the very first uh, time that blessing is actually mentioned, it's, it's God. And God is blessing His creation. Now, I think that, that sets up something right throughout Scripture, that, that all blessing comes from the source of life, and that is, that is God Himself. So it's right on the very first pages and we, we see, as we talked about last week, that when He blessed humanity, He said, be fruitful and multiply, subdue and rule. There's a, a number of different translations of, of those words. But basically, what He's saying is, is fill the earth and, uh, and, and, and bring, bring order out of chaos continually, uh, bring about human flourishing. And work this world in such a way, uh, tend this world in such a way that it would be good for humans, that, it would be, that human flourishing would come out uh, from that. And I, I was just thinking about uh, that, that blessing that God has uh, given humanity, and, and we can actually... Uh, do you know when we see people that you can obviously see uh, a attending well, are, are stewarding well, and are, are ruling well. And that, that can be across a whole heap of um, different elements in life. When, when a musician gets up and they just play a beautiful piece, there's something that resonates in there. 
It, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a, a Christian piece or, a, or a, not a Christian-focused piece. When, when something is done well like that, there's just this resonance. It's, that's, that's what it was meant to be. I just think about... I, I, um, we've got one of these... We had one of these pianos. Trying to get rid of one of these pianos is really hard. Um, when, it's, when it's really old and kind of done its time, uh, all our little pads in the back were absolutely... Sh a lot of the things were shot on the... So we had to get rid of one of these pianos. I tried to give it away for free, and uh, no one wanted it. I realised that I'd need to put it up on Facebook and basically say, I'll pay for it to get removed. Um, but what I did instead was I actually took off all the bits of timber that we like and we're going to make something out of it. But it was quite emotional, actually, as I was taking apart this piano. Because these things are an absolute masterpiece. Look, what goes on in, on in there? It's just, it's absolutely incredible. I just think about what it took to get, whatever this is, steel, brass or the iron, the different steel stuff in there. And, um, yeah, okay, all that stuff that goes on in there. But I remember I, I, I actually teared up as I was tearing this thing apart because there's incredible beauty in, in centuries of, of humans doing what they were created to do in, in bringing order where there's not order and you've got both engineers that come together with, with people who love and, and come together with music and when a beautiful piece of music is played on that thing, it is beautiful. Because it's, it's what we were meant to do. And there's something that rises up and, and we can praise that and we can say, yes, yes, God. God has blessed us to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue and to rule. And he has blessed that. And that, that blessing has not been um, revoked. It continues. And, uh, and we just know that that journey has been pretty hard. Uh, to get to that has been really, really hard. There's been an enormous amount of suffering that has come into this world uh, because basically we as humanity said, God, we will define what is good. And what it does is it just means that that whole process of getting to the fulfillment of what God intended for humanity gets really, really hard. And the worst thing about it is it doesn't matter how far along that stretch we come, it's just stricken with mess. It's just, it's just stricken with sin such that that it looks great, but it's just dead. There's, a, there's an infection inside that will ultimately kill it. No matter, no matter how far this, this, this progression goes, it is ultimately doomed. And God knew that. And, and, and that's why right then he puts this seed that he is going to send into the world someone that would come and would breathe life. And he would breathe life into the human project by giving his life. And he's invited us into that story. This story of the life-giving power of God coming through the sacrifice of his own son. And he calls us and he says, I have blessed you. 
I've blessed you with every heavenly blessing. You have no ideas of the blessings that I have in store for you. And I call you to join me and to be a blessing. We're looking at... I actually had no intention of going to any of that stuff this morning, but we went there anyway. Father, we are, we're just so, so joyful to be able to be called into this great story of what you're doing. We thank you that you haven't left us, that you have reached down and that you have become one of us to save us, that you gave your life for us. We thank you for your, just the way that you turn your face towards us and the way that you have, have carried us and walked with us. And we long for that day when you will make everything right, that you'll put everything together. Lord, we long for that day when, when once and for all you take that decay and that stench of death and you breathe life. We thank you that, that we are living examples of those who were once dead and are now alive. But we long for when that life spreads throughout this whole earth. Lord, would you bless us to be instruments of life? And would you continue to speak to your church as we come before your word? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark this morning. So if you would open up to <clears throat> Mark uh, chapter 6, we'll start there. Mark chapter 6. And I've just seen where we're actually going to be um, in Mark chapter 6 next week as well because Jesus has just sent out the, the, um, the disciples and uh, he'd sent them on a mission. We're going to look at that next week. But we're going to skip forwards, first of all, to when they came back from the different villages around and they report to Jesus. It says in, <clears throat> in verse 30, The apostles, they gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that had been done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I love how Jesus, he's just, he's very practical and he's not pressured, he's not hurried and he looks out for our interests and he's looking out for the interests of his disciples. That lack of hurriness is, um, has really been standing out to me lately. Je Jesus is not hurried. He is very intentional, but he's certainly not hurried. He's present. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving... <clears throat> recognized them and run on, ran on foot to the towns and got there ahead of them. Uh, that's a bit of a disaster, isn't it? Trying to get away for some R&R &R and uh, people recognize you and, and head over. When Jesus landed on, and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. 
They said to him, uh, Jesus, this is a remote place and it's already very late. You need to send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Here we know that there was um, something like 5,000 men present here. And we've heard it before that uh, that would actually represent a crowd much larger than that. And Jesus looks at them. There's a, there's a little bit of humour here, actually. Um, you get them something to eat. This, this is kind of just one of those things that would stick in their mind. Um, it's, it's this... It's kind of this unsettling question. You get them something to eat, and, and they, they know pretty quickly. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and, and give it to them to eat? Basically, the disciples are trying to work out, is Jesus serious here? Um, does, he, does he actually realise what this means? Does he realise the logistics of this? I, I actually don't think this is possible anyway. Um, for, to, to organise that at that short of a time. I mean, there's, there's not just massive bakeries there. You, you have to go to, to all these different little ones, all these little side stalls, I've seen what this looks like, to, to, to kind of gather enough stuff for them. The disciples, this is, in, this is literally impossible. And, and I actually think, I don't actually think they're asking Jesus overly um, seriously here. They, they realise that this is an impossible task. Jesus says to them, how many loaves do you have? He asked. I I can imagine them just kind of looking stunned at him, like, what what do you mean? Like, you... That's a strange question. It's kind of like, can't you see, just with a little scan of your eyes, you can see that we don't have enough bread, that's why we came to you and asked you to send these people away. Then I imagine Jesus, he's like, go and see. Like, go! And so they go out, and I, I think they're still walking, like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, they've seen Jesus do a number of miracles. They've just come back from doing a number of miracles themselves. But still, this is, this is so far outside of their um, scope of imagination of what's going on. He says, go and see. When they found out, they said, well, there's five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have the people sit down in groups in the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, we don't have time to go into this, but um, the, uh, Mark is, and, and Jesus is trying to let us know that this, what's happening here, it's relating to what happened in the Exodus. Okay, those numbers are significant there. There's, there's different little hints right throughout this passage that uh, this is linking to uh, the God of Exodus and uh, that Jesus is actually that God. Um, but we, we don't have time to go there. We'll do that another time. But I just wanted to point that out. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he took them and looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Remember how we looked at that Greek word for blessing? Um, that's that one. He gave thanks. He, he blessed. It, it Actually, in the Greek it says he blessed and then it says the bread. Okay? So, so 
something's going on here. Then he, then he gave thanks and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided two fish amongst them all. <clears throat> they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and of fish. The number of men who ate were 5,000. Okay. So I, uh, I, I want to dig into that passage a little bit. I think there's a, a few things that we can, a uh, few principles that we can apply to what God is doing um, here and uh, a few principles in relation to the God who loves to bless His people. First of all, um, we've got, we need to be those who listen to him. Uh, can, can you remember when it says Jesus, he had, he had compassion on the people and he, he spent time, that he was exhausted, but he spent time teaching them. Uh, blessing is, is, is found in coming to know what God says is good. Uh, ble- blessing is found in that. He, he wishes to bless the people, first of all, by, by telling them what the right path is, by explaining that to them, by, by living that out. You see, Jesus came to bless us, and one of the ways he came to bless us was to actually show us what it is to live a life aligned with him and his kingdom ways. There's, there's great blessing that comes when a people and when a nation say, we're going to align with your ways. The most significant advances for human flourishing in our society is when societies have basically said, we will do it your way. Sometimes that hasn't been uh, expressly overt uh, over, the, over the generations, but what you see as you move away from doing things his way, um, that, that hurt and that suffering and that contamination really starts to take hold. Actually, we'll, we'll move to the, I've, I'm just, um, Alan, I'm, I'm messing things around today, so um, we're going to have to go forwards a few. Yep, okay, that's great. Listen to him. Uh, the other thing here in, in regards to our Christian life, we need to, we need to be those who listen for him. Uh, God, is, God is always wanting to be speaking to us, to be uh, in, in regards to situations and, and life. Do you see that um, when Jesus came and he saw the crowd, it said that he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. We see, we see this quite often come up throughout the Scriptures that uh, when Jesus was walking around, he had compassion on someone and then he, he acted um, to bless them, to heal them, uh, to, to make some type of change in our life. It's one of the ways that, that God actually speaks to us is that He rises in us a compassion for a situation and a person. And we, we need to be listening to that because God may want us to, to act um, towards that person that we may be a blessing in their life. It's one of the ways that God communicates with us. Another way that He speaks to us is... Um, is the desires of our hearts. In Psalms it says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Um, we, we need to listen for Him as we delight ourselves in Him and we need to look at those desires that are being formed. 
um, yeah, acknowledging our insufficiency. When, uh, when Jesus came to these disciples and said, hey, uh, we're going to feed these people, uh, they, one of the real things that they had to realise, and which I think they were actually doing in the questions of what they were saying is, God, we don't have what we need. Uh, to, to do what you have, you have put, uh, to do what you want to do, we actually don't have what we need. I just think about the, the commission that God has given us, this responsibility that we have to our, to our community uh, and, and to the nations, to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, to raise our kids in a way that they'll come to know and love Jesus. They're, they're massive tasks. It's, 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 it's feeding 5,000 type tasks, it's bigger than that. And, and God actually wants us to go, we, we don't have what we need for that. We, we could work, we, we could, every one of us, okay, if, if, if we hear Jesus saying that, every one of us could, could say, Jesus, um, we, we, we can take the next year off work and still it's not going to make a much dent on that, even if all of us were, were fully engaged in that mission and project. But God says, bring what you have. Bring it with expectation and bring it to me. And then we look to God for the multiplication and the outcome. When, when we bring what we have to God, we look to Him for that multiplication. Think of what it says in 1 Corinthians 3.7. Neither one um, who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Um, God, God is the one that causes the growth in what He's doing in this world. He is the one, that, the, the power behind what He is doing it's, uh, it's Him. I have seen that, that multiple, multiple times, that when we bring what we have, God takes that and He blesses us. And it is, it is just a privilege to be able to, to see what He does with our little. We experience this uh, a little bit in what Jesus said here in... Um, it, not Jesus, in, in what Paul is saying here, that he's using this metaphor of, of a garden or planting or a field. And anyone that has uh, done gardening, we know that this is a reality. We, we go into our garden and we plant and um, we, we do some weeding and we do some watering, but something happens, it, it grows and there is absolutely uh, nothing. We haven't put in energy there. We, uh, it grows because of God's blessing on His creation. And that's how He wants our, the church to work as well. It's my desire for our lives and for the life of our church. We want to be a people who sacrificially bring what we have and look to God for only what He can do. So we, we sacrificially bring to Him, Lord, Lord, this is my offering to You. This is why what we did before can be so significant in, in bringing our offerings to Him. Because what we're doing is we're, we're not merely bringing 
um, that, that money that we've set aside to give towards his work, it's not just that. We're saying, God, would you bless that? And, and would you do far more with that than, than could ever be done with just mere normal money in exchange? God, we, we ask that with everything that we bring to you, our lives, our resources, that you would multiply that. Just want to drop into uh, what is a what is this blessing? When when Jesus takes this bread and he looks up to heaven and he blesses that bread. Um, some of your some of your Bibles will have thanked God. Some of them will have um, he he blessed the bread. It just depends how it translates there. And it's, um, it's understandable why they would, why they would do that, because uh, he may have done both, uh, because there was, a, there was a common blessing that people would say at that time as they broke bread and were about to share it. This is the blessing, it was, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. So, Again, what's happening, this, this is the only story, the only miracle that is found in all four Gospels. It is, it is pivotal, it is really, really important. And, and I think the main reason for that is, is basically because it's actually harking back to the Exodus story. And uh, even, even this blessing, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings um, forth bread from the earth. Could you imagine if, if, if this is what Jesus prayed? People are thinking... I know what he's saying here. God provided for us, for our people, by providing manna in the wilderness. And, and he's making a claim here that he's that same God. This is significant. This is, this is God is pulling these whole stories together and, and he's saying, this Jesus, he is the one, the author of life. So he, he thanks God, but something else must be taking place here. Because we have four normal, four, five, 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 five normal things of bread and a couple of things of fish, and it does something very, very strange. It multiplies to feed all the people and then to have something left over. There's something that takes place there. God's, God's life giving power. I don't, I don't know actually what to call it at the moment. His life-giving, something happens with that bread. Something changes when he blesses that bread. When God touches something, when God touches life, life happens and multiplication happens. When he touches our life, life happens. That's, that's really a good definition of blessing, really. Being touched by God. We see this so often. When Jesus, when Jesus was walking around, um, people, people recognised this. They, they recognised that if you touch Jesus, something happens. And, and we see that. Can you remember that lady? She, was, um, she had that problem of bleeding. 
And uh, Jesus was in that, that big crowd and there were people pushing on him everywhere and he was walking through the crowd and then all of a sudden, Jesus goes, someone touched me. Some, someone touched me. And, and his disciples are going, Jesus, you're in a crowd. I mean, there's, there's people everywhere, all around you. There, there, there's, there's probably been 50 people touch you in the last couple of minutes. And he goes, no, someone touched me. There, there, was a, there was a power that left me. There was a, there was a dunamis, I think it, the word is, that, that left me. I, I sensed that it came out of me. Something happens there. We also have this in, in Mark chapter 10. This is the little children. People were bringing their little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on him, on them. They, um, it actually says that they, they, they saw something of what Jesus was doing and, and they, they wanted Jesus to place their hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the, um, the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. This is God speaking well of those children. But there is something special about a blessing. There is something tangible about a blessing. There is a a releasing of the life power of heaven that happens when we we move into um, the blessing of God. When people are touched by Jesus, things change. And we can... We can come in contact with Jesus um, ourselves, but we've also, we've been blessed. We've been blessed because we have been touched by Jesus. And, and we go out into the world as ones who have his presence with us, as one who have been touched by the hand, by the presence of Jesus, and we go out to be a blessing to the world, that others may be touched by Jesus as well. We want to be a people who sacrificially bring what we have to God and to ask Him to do what only He can do. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You for these stories, for these accounts of what You did, Jesus. Jesus, I think that of the impact of, of what it meant for You to sit on that grassy area and to bless that bread those events ricocheting right throughout history testifying to who you are that you're the you're the god of life you're the god of multiplication and father we we thank you that we have been touched by your presence that you have breathed life into us and lord we pray that we would be um that we would go 
into our everyday lives as those who have life in us, the breath of God, the carriers of the presence of God. We want to be blessed. We thank you that you have blessed us. Father, help us to be a blessing to each other in this world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite the team up. Jez, did we have a song before communion? After communion. Okay, lovely. When I was thinking about um, communion, I was going to use that time to go and get a little communion cup. Um, so I'm going to have to steal one off someone again. Thank you, Melissa. Oh, thanks, Andy. <laughs> When we come to communion, we come as uh, the people of God, as those who have been saved by Him. This is something that those who have said, uh, Jesus, I'm going to do it your way. I thank you for the provision that you have made. Uh, I thank you for dying for me, for giving me life. Those who, who declare Him as their Lord and Saviour, this is, this is for you. And so it's an interesting time. It's a time that we hold, hold these tensions. These tensions of both, both sorrow as we, we see the cost of what it, what it meant for us to be saved. That the, the innocent Son of God, God in flesh, would have to die for us. The, the cost and the consequences of that sin. And we, we think about this world that has been ravaged and, and the the effects of sin and our own choices on our own lives. We, we, we hold that, but we also hold in the other hand this great joy and celebration of what has been achieved through Jesus dying on that cross. That, that something has been started right throughout eternity uh, and, and it, is, it is breathing life into death and there is light overtaking darkness and that we are, we are set on a trajectory where there is only life and there is only light. We're looking forward to the, the fullness of the expression of what has been bought and purchased and achieved in the death of Jesus. So we hold both of them. This is a, this is a special moment for the church. It connects us not only to those who will come after us, but it connects us right back to Jesus when he first um, was in that upper room with his disciples there connects us with the body right throughout the world right now as well. We're going to take a passage which is um, not normally used on communion. This is um, when Jesus is speaking to one of his disciples. He's just, uh, has risen from the dead. He's already appeared to his disciples. And it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed as they saw the Lord. I, I think there is a real time for joy and celebration in this meal that we share. He's alive. He, he's alive. It's great joy that comes. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Jesus at this time whispers to us, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins will be forgiven. If you do not forgive them, um, they will not be forgiven. It's a little bit of a difficult passage and could get to that some other time. This is the passage I really wanted to look at. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, he was not with the other disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where those nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Many could resonate with that today. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your, your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. Then Thomas said, My God and my Lord. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. And then he speaks directly to us at this moment. He speaks to, to Thomas there and his disciples, but he is, these were echoes right throughout eternity. He says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. I haven't had an opportunity to put my fingers into the side of Jesus or to feel his hands. But there has been the favour of God that he has opened up our hearts and our spiritual eyes to be able to see, to be able to know that he came and he died and he lived for us. And he set us free. So remember that this morning. If you, if there's something in you today that um, over the last few weeks, every single week, we've had people come to know Jesus and say, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And that's, that's really exciting. And uh, I, I invite those people who have given their lives to the Lord just recently, um, they're going to be joining with us this morning, and that's exciting. I, if there's anyone here uh, that you haven't done that yet, uh, just come to Jesus and say, I, I want to follow you with all of my life. Thank you for dying for me. I thank you for giving me a way to have life and have a relationship with you again. It's just a, something that you can do in your heart.